Welcome to FCAT After School, a podcast project from SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. In each episode, we join student hosts in conversation with alumni as they explore career journeys since graduation and gather advice for the next generation. episode, FCAT student Genevieve Chang catches up with SFU Master of Publishing grad Jasmine Welch, the innovative mind behind book design company Flex Creative Studio and production manager for Arsenal Pulp Press. Jasmine, or Jazz, gives us an insider's look into her journey from the fashion world to landing her dream job in book design and the role that SFU's Master in Publishing program played along the way. Here are FCAT's own Jen Chang and Jasmine Welch. Hi, everybody. My name is Jen, and I will be your host for this episode of FCAT After School. I'm currently a fifth and final year communication major and publishing minor at SFU. For this episode, I spoke to Jasmine Welch, who was a part of the SFU Masters of Publishing from 2018 to 2020. Hi, I'm Jasmine Welch, and I'm the owner of Fleck Creative Studio, and I'm the production manager at Arsenal Pulp Press. Just jumping right in, book design is something that people don't really understand outside of publishing. How did you come across like book design? What what kind of led you to books? Yeah, so that was also a very like natural progression, not an obvious one, but it did happen naturally because I initially did go to school for fashion design, which is the sewing aspect. And after sewing for the first year, I switched over to the communication side, which is where you do all of the other stuff, including marketing, um, graphic design, you do a bit of web and app design, typography, color theory. We had a course called typography where we were doing page layout. And I loved that class, like loved doing grid structure, typo- like hierarchy, choosing fonts, all that stuff really appealed to me. So once I knew that that was a thing that people did, I kind of structured the rest of my time at Ryerson towards that. So in our final year, we have a thesis or capstone project. And so for that, I made a book that was printed as well as made into an ebook. I was researching the difference between print and digital publications, what really makes a satisfying reader experience in both. And so I was really studying the nitty gritty of reader retention, font sizes. That just really is where my love of layout began, even more than covers. So I thought I would maybe do editorial layout for that kind of world, but just didn't love the fashion world and was just really open to any experience to do more typography typesetting and then realized that cover design can also include illustration. So it was kind of like a nice merging of all of the things that I loved. And then I love reading too. And I've always loved paper goods. So it just kind of melded so many things that I love doing. Uh, it's crazy how like one class in undergrad or one project can really like redirect your whole career. Mm-hmm, totally. Did you always have a dream about a business kind of like in the back of your head or was that just kind of, this is how it's going to happen. This is how I'm going to get where I want to be. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I don't think I did. Like I, I definitely always knew that I wanted to be in something creative, doing things with my hands. You know, when I initially went to Ryerson, I thought I was going to be a fashion illustrator doing like live runway sketching and stuff like that. And then realized that's like a very difficult thing to get into. There's like one person at the end of the runway sketching. It's very niche. (laughs) Super niche. It's because I met one. Yeah. And I was like, this is such a cool, like such a cool job. I want to do that. 
What was the biggest takeaway from your undergraduate experience as a fashion student? As a fashion student, I learned just so much about so many different industries. I think the biggest takeaway was that you will go anywhere in your career and everything kind of leads to something else. A lot of people in that program don't actually end up working in fashion, but we all had such relevant skills to so many places that I think it didn't matter where we ended up because we just kind of, all of us ended up just following different interests. And, you know, the job market was really difficult when I ended up graduating and I applied for just so many jobs and didn't get anything at first. So yeah, I ended up working in this lady's house. I would go over and like shoot hats all day with her. That was the first job that I got out of school. So it felt super irrelevant, but then it just kept on leading to other things because then I had photography experience and then started working in social media photography at agencies and doing marketing and it all kind of just kept snowballing from there. So were you just like taking photos of her hats and then putting them somewhere? I worked with this woman who was doing the Friars and Fashion Research Collections. And that woman just knew this lady who had this wonderful collection that she just wanted to personally archive. So she had me photograph all of her hats. And I have no idea what she actually did with the photos. But I would go over like three times a week in her house, set up my lights, take pictures, edit them, send them back to her. And she would like pay me in cash at the end of the week. And I think I was really naive when I graduated thinking, oh, everybody needs a graphic designer. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. every company needs one. And that's not to discourage grads at all, because I think, you know, you just kind of navigate what the market is telling you. And for me, what I was getting back from everybody was that they wanted web designers. So they'd be like, oh, we want a graphic designer, but you need to be able to code. Mm -hmm. As much as I love, like the tech business really fascinates me. And I think it's just such a secure job, but I have no interest in coding. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But 50 jobs, that's a lot. That's definitely daunting. I think undergraduate students in arts programs especially are always so scared of that kind of happening where you just don't have the right experience or the right check boxes for the market at the time. Totally. And I think think it's just so important to remember not to take it personally because most of the time now when you're applying for a job, it's just all about keywords going into like a digital algorithm that you know, you're not, your resume is not even being seen by a person. So it's not worth getting upset over. You just have to keep trying new things. Tell me a little bit more about just kind of how you went from hats (laughs) to photography to like project management and marketing and then a business owner. It's a very quick and interesting path. It is odd because I like thinking about it. I don't really have any entrepreneurs in my family who would have inspired me to do that. But I think graphic design lends itself very well to freelance. So when I first graduated and I did that hat job, my next job after that was working at a really tiny company. From there, I really enjoyed the organizational aspect of project management. So then I moved to a tech startup that needed a project manager that was doing creative for like Fortune 500 companies like Johnson & Johnson and all these big, big names. I loved working there, but then so quick after that, I realized that I wasn't doing anything creative anymore. So even though I love project management, I was like, oh no, I've lost my career path essentially. Like, what am I doing? And so I was working with the freelancers, sending them projects, doing the QA of all their work, editing their work. And then I just was so jealous that I wasn't the one Mm -hmm. making it. You're like, you're doing what I want to (laughs) do. Yeah, exactly. And they were all so sweet. I got to work with them directly. I really think it was that job that made me see that I could do it because I knew how to write really clear proposals and contracts. Scopes, I think, are so critical for starting your own business. Everyone needs to be crystal clear on what's happening so that when you deliver, a client's not like, oh, that's not what I wanted. And then they don't pay you, which is just, you know, what we avoid in freelance life. So 
doing that, I think was a huge, huge win in terms of feeling confident that I could start my own business. Since at that point, I was still seeing a lot of jobs that needed web design stuff. And I just didn't actually see a good fit for myself at a place. I kind of did that huge jump to <laughs> starting my own business. I started to do like a little bit of freelance while I was at Five Crowd. And I did some on the side random design stuff. I had internships in publication design and things like that. So it wasn't like new to me that I would be in graphic design, but it definitely was scary. <laughs> I made sure I had a lot of money saved up in order to be able to do that. I also was able to position my marketing job into a contract where I was on literally on the other side as a freelancer. But yeah, it was it was uh, a bold choice, but it was something that I needed to do because I was unhappy not not doing anything creative anymore. I think with businesses, it's always kind of expected that the person was always so entrepreneurial. So it's really interesting that you kind of just saw the opportunity and kind of said, this is kind of where I need to go. Yeah, I think I knew inherently that I liked deciding what I got to do. I just wanted to be the one calling the shots and deciding what I'm working on. So to your point, like, I don't think you actually need to have this overwhelming entrepreneurial spirit to decide to do it. And like I said, I think the backbone of what made it possible was all that, you know, the boring stuff that people don't think about, but the project management stuff like helped so much because right off the bat, I was like, oh, I can send a scope of work that outlines my project description, the deliverables, the timeline and all that stuff. And yeah, that made it such an easy transition just from a business perspective. Like I've received comments before from potential clients who have been like, it was your proposal that persuaded me. It's like your proposal looked so pretty that I knew that you could do the job. Pretty is not the right word. That looked well designed and sophisticated. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They're really aesthetic, but they don't get the message across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If anyone's looking to start their own business, I think that's a critical part that some people miss. After starting your business, what was your kind of like, what were your goals and intentions going into the, the publishing program? I started my business and was just kind of running with it and, you know, taking any job I could get cold calling and doing all sorts of design work. I had always loved publication design and editorial layout. So I was trying to gear my portfolio towards that. I did start doing some self-published books and just absolutely loved that, but knew that it was something that was hard to get into the trade publishing side of things because I was only working in self-publishing and there's still quite a stigma towards that industry. Although I will say that working in self-publishing, I think it actually really does help to go into the trade world with self-publishing knowledge because you have to do all of the steps yourself. But I realized, yeah, it would be so hard to get into a trade role without further education. Yeah. I really felt that I needed to take that step. Were there any standout moments in the publishing program? Like what were your favorite parts? I think for me, like the classes that really pulled together concepts were my favorite. So even uh, although they were the hardest, I think also publishing, as you mentioned, is this very weird, opaque industry that nobody knows anything about. And yet once you're in it, you realize that these things have been done for centuries, like the same way. You just want to like shake the people at the, <laughs> at the head of the industry to be like, we need to, you know, shake things up because there are things that are not working in the industry. So those classes really talked more about where publishing fits within society, the societal pressures and cultural pressures that are pulling on publishing right now, all the mandates that have allowed publishing to thrive and the reasons why it has thrived over the years. So it does have this kind of terrible history as to why, you know, when textbooks were first getting done in, in Canada and things like that, and the things that they were pushing and who's at the helm of these presses and who gets to choose which stories are and which voices are heard and all of that. So it was good to 
get that side of things so that we have this larger knowledge of the industry. That's not just about how it operates, but what its limitations are, where it kind of falls short so that hopefully when we graduate, we're able to, you know, make some changes. I still don't know how to rock the industry and completely change it so that it's better for everybody. But that class definitely, you know, made us think about things more broadly, which was, I think, very helpful. There's things that come up all the time that I'm like, why is this done this way? Like, it's a big mess, but it's also a great, (laughs) great industry, but it's a big mess of an industry. (laughs) Yeah, just in terms of other moments in the program, were there any key takeaways, like lessons learned from different profs or projects that you did that you really kind of came away and said that was that made that program so worth it to me? Yeah, there's definitely a few. Like, I think the book project is it's what people will complain about the most, I think, about the program, but in a way that is most formative. Like, it's a very stressful project because it's a group-based project, which is always hard because, you know, you're in a high-stress situation and you're dealing with different personalities and you, you know, you're all trying to produce great work. And it's it's just like, it's a very interesting, tricky environment. But I think what was so cool about that was that you are essentially forming a mini press. So from start to finish, you create the name of your press, a logo, your publishing mandate, a mission statement, and then you make up four books that suit that statement. And you pretend that they were kind of pitched to you and you've acquired these manuscripts. And then we act as a publishing house and pitch them to these like marketing meetings, which are actually real live industry professionals who give you feedback. So every once in a while during those few months, you literally have people come in, different people from different presses who you're trying to impress. And then we did this big marketing conference at the end that essentially shows the cover and we talk about the book. And it was so it was a very interesting little micro moment of what actually happens in the industry. And it was just really fun to get to create covers for random books also and like work collaboratively that way, because that's something that happens in the industry too. It's not just, no one is ever doing their job in a silo. So I think that was really helpful. And for anyone who's going into that program, I think it's so important to remember that the master's is really what you make of it. So you could, you like, you're going to get out of it exactly what you put into it. So if you're, you know, if you're just trying to get it done, you can just sit in class, go home and then, you know, do your work and that's that. But if you're trying to get into a certain area in the industry or you just, you know, are want to explore certain things, definitely talk to the professors because they're able to kind of shape the courses to suit you. So I, at some point, was in the design class. I was a bit frustrated at first because I was like, oh, I don't want to take a design class because not that I think I'm the greatest designer in the world, but I had already done design for four years and had started my business at that point. So I was I was very confident in, the, in my ability to use the software. And that was more what the program was geared towards. So I, I talked to the design professor about kind of restructuring that class so that I could learn something else. And that's when I took a bit of my interest from my undergrad in figuring out digital publications to kind of update it to the present day ebook landscape and trying to make an ebook that was accessible, but also still pretty. And that's something that I've, I had struggled with for years is how do we make accessible ebooks that can be done affordably by a press that also look great? <laughs> I don't think I solved that or cracked that code because I think at the end of the day, if it looks great, there's probably some accessible flaws in there. But it was still good to teach myself how to like get into the code and formally create a project around it because I wouldn't have done that 
if I wasn't in school. I definitely still use that knowledge to this day. I still crack open ebooks and look in sigil and the code um, in my day to day. So I think profs are always just there to support you. I think they respect initiative coming forward. Oh, yeah. But it just sounds so interesting and definitely on the back burner in my brain if I ever want to go back to school. Right now I'm in the mindset my last year kind of like, this is my last project. This is my last enrollment. I'm never going back to school. I'm definitely going to eat my words in probably like four years when I'm like, I want to go back to school. I like school. Yeah, I was the same. So yeah, you never know. <laughs> I feel like everyone in a master's program is like, don't say never because you're going to go back to school because I said never. <laughs> I didn't even enjoy school, which is the funny part. Like, because I'm on paper, like you're fairly traditional nerd, just was always a 90s student. I finished high school with like the governor general's award for like highest average in my high school. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> I am a super nerd when it comes to school. Super you would nerd. think I love it. Yeah. And so, you know, I did my under, I think because I just like work myself to the bone too. And my undergrad was really hard and I just have such a high level of perfectionism that it kind of destroyed me a little bit by the end. When I told my family that I was going to do a master's, they were all like, you are not allowed to go back to school. Like you can't, cause you complained so much when you were in your undergrad. You can go back, but you're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. They were like, I don't want to hear about it. If you hate it, like don't come crawling to us. I mean, but it is a different structure of a program, I guess. So there's certainly a ton of work still to be done, but especially with publishing, I think all the profs in publishing that I've had are super self-aware. So it's, it's just really practical and hands-on. I don't know if the master's is the same. Is it really quite hands-on? Yeah, it really is. One of the first classes you do a lot of like profit and loss statements, because I think it's kind of like, it's setting you up that if you did want to graduate and literally start a press, you would have all the tools to know. It gives you all the bits of all the pieces of publishing. So yeah, you're literally hands-on figuring out how to create a profit and loss statement for a book, which is so interesting. I'm not going to lie. I hate profit and loss statements from the little I know about them. I've had to do them twice. <laughs> yeah. I'm not enjoying them, but they are. Yeah, they're pretty brutal. <laughs> I think, like you mentioned, the professors are self-aware of like, let's not destroy our students' well-being and like, let's not make it so hard that they can't eat properly and rest at all. So I, I did get that sense that they were very mindful of how we were feeling and we did like mental health check-ins and I still think it was it, it was difficult, but it I did appreciate that there were those like, you you know, they professors were always very open. I think we all appreciate it a lot. Is there anything else that you would kind of recommend to master students now that you've had a couple of years outside of the program as well and working in the business? The networking is such a big part of a master's. And I think it is for a lot of programs, but especially in publishing because they bring so many experts. So even when you're doing those little presentations to the people during the book project to actually talk to them. <laughs> it seems it seems obvious, but there are so many people that come into the program and that's, you know, that's such a huge bonus that a lot of people don't get. You literally have people brought to you like on a silver platter to talk to, right? So if you're not taking advantage of those conversations, then it's it's just a kind of lost opportunity because those are the people you will end up working with. Like it is a very very tiny industry. Because the program is so well respected, when you do get out, you will have people that acknowledge the fact that you finished the program and want to work with you because you've done the program. That's what's so great about it too. Like it's it's well known in Canada, at least. There's not many masters of publishing out there. <laughs> okay, so kind of after graduation, what was the first career related thing you did after finishing your master's? I saw Arsenal had a job posting that, you know, one of the great parts about 
being a student is also those job boards that you get access to because I probably wouldn't have seen the job otherwise. I was following the Quill Inquirer job board already at that time. So if anyone doesn't know, it's a great industry job board for publishing related jobs. I was already following in there, but because it was posted through the school, I felt like I had a better chance. So I saw that come through and I was like, oh my gosh, this is my chance. <laughs> you know, because those jobs hardly ever come up. And I had, as I said, I was on that job board all the time and you never see a like full-time job in book design at a press, a press that has a great mandate, has an amazing track record, produces incredible books. I was so excited and applied and was so surprised that I caught it. <laughs> so I was, I was pretty pumped that that was my first, um, first experience, like right out of the master's. I think I started like the September afterwards and I was already running my business during school too. So I didn't have actually any intention of getting a job when I finished. I was like, oh, I'll just keep working on Fleck and just see where that takes me. But I did really want to work in-house at a press to get like an, the experience of working on a team and having feedback from people that really know what they're doing in the industry. But I knew that I wasn't going to keep kind of accelerating my career and learning if I was not actually connecting live with people who are publishing in the trade. That was great. I was so happy to to get to work with them and still <laughs> still work with them, obviously. What do you enjoy most about book design? I think for me, the reason why I like it is that every day is different because even if you're following the same kind of creative process, and I think a lot of designers follow a very similar process of like ideation, research and brainstorming and all of that. It's this problem solving thing that each book is a totally different journey. Like you read it and then you're meant to create something for that piece. So everything else that you've done for another book doesn't apply to that book. And it just keeps things so fresh. Like, again, even if you're following a similar day to day, that each book is like a totally unique opportunity to do something different. Any last advice for people finishing their master's? What is your number one piece of advice for them as they wrap up their degrees? Making sure that you're not hard on yourself in the job market. I think that's key like apply for anything and everything because you never know where it's going to take you. Everything will build towards something. So even if you take a job that seems irrelevant, yeah, just don't beat yourself up about not being in your final destination because it can also change, right? Like you might fall in love with something else and, and change your path. But anyways, yeah, just thank you so much for sitting down. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. It was nice to chat with you. And yeah, I wish you the best on your publishing journey. Interested in learning more about the FCAT community? Stay tuned for a brand new episode of FCAT After School, hitting your feeds every other Wednesday this season. A big thanks to Jasmine Welch for joining us here on the show. You'll find links to resources mentioned and more info on Jazz and the Publishing MA program in the show notes. Our host for this episode was Genevieve Chang, production by Jen Chang and me, Stacey Copeland. FCAT After School respectfully acknowledges the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakite, Kwantlen, Semiamu, and Tawasan people, on whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside, and where many of the stories shared in our series take place. Make sure to rate us and subscribe to FCAT After School in your podcast app of choice so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can follow us on social media at FCAT at SFU. That's F-C-A-T at S-F-U on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.